0: Welcome in to Adam's Plus One, where as you know, my Plus One is always the star of the show. I'm just here to make sure that we somewhat stay on track, and today we have a very special Plus One. I had to wait like two months to sit down with this guy because he's a pretty busy guy, and I'm excited to jump in with him. We've got the 41st mayor of Rockford, Mayor Tom McNamara. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Adam. Uh, thrilled to be with you.
0: Good. Very good. How's your day going? It's Tuesday. What does the mayor do on Tuesday? <laughs>
1: What's the mayor do on Tuesday? Uh, Wake up about 4.30, uh, get coffee ready, hang out with the kids. So I'm a morning person, so I am with the kids. Uh, That's when I know I'll get to see them. So we wake up early. We usually just eat breakfast, get them dressed for the day, watch some TV. Usually shows that mom doesn't want them to watch. So uh, they watch those shows, uh, and we have some fun, and then I head off to work.
0: What time do you go to work at usually?
1: I am usually at work between 6.30 and 7.00.
0: Um, well, that's, I like that when, when I started training early in the morning, I did it because someday I know I'm going to have kids. And when that happens, I don't want them to be like, why does dad leave at night to go work out? I'd rather do it in the morning so I can mm-hmm. come back and they see me all day. So that's cool that you flipped your schedule. I'm sure that's more for the family, right? It's it is.
1: Day. And I, I'm honestly, I'm better in the morning. Uh, my wife thinks I'm a total wimp at night. So <laughs> once, uh, I, I mean, uh, once it hits like 1030, I am out. Yeah, I have a hard time staying up uh, past that, but I'm up early and, uh, it's also easier when you like what
0: you do. That's very true. Very true. All right. So let's hit rewind on your, on your professional career. Let's go all the way back. You graduate from Rockford Mm Boylan in the area and you make the decision to go to John Carroll University. Yes. Right. Why did you, why did you choose John Carroll?
1: So, uh, one answer is they accepted me. Big time. Yeah. That's, That's important. That's a first step, right? Um, So I had the opportunity, I actually had a cousin who went to John Carroll and my aunt, I was really struggling on where to go. I looked at St. Thomas, looked at St. Norbert, looked at John Carroll, and also all of them ended up being Catholic in some way, which was not on purpose. Um, But they were also all kind of smaller liberal arts, uh, all about service type schools and for me, uh, so she, my aunt, she said, you know, you should look at John Carroll. I was like, I've never even heard of it. What are you talking about? And uh, she was like, just go out and look at it. So went out and looked at it. it had this amazing, gorgeous, really small kind of quaint campus. Uh, then we did this tour. And when you're going through all the classrooms, uh, and we went, I went and looked at larger schools as well. But when you went through these classrooms, they were small. Yeah, the, You saw 12, 20 kids in each class the teachers knew every single kid's name. It wasn't like, Hey, number 42, what's your question? You know, number 300, it, they knew their names and it was also very genuine. Uh, and they had at the time, one of the best, uh, schools of business, um, in the entire state of Ohio, they were always nationally ranked as, uh, you know, uh, many schools are, but they're nationally ranked in their size. Uh, so really good academics. They have the Jesuit background, which is all about giving service to the community and helping others. And so it really married kind of my passion of wanting to help people, but also wanting to go into business. And so went and visited, fell in love with it, and really thrilled I went there. So it it was Absolutely the right choice for me at that time. I also, just being upfront with you, Adam, I needed uh, the smaller classrooms, one, uh, so I could pay attention better, but also, two, I really needed those teachers to know me by name, know yeah. if I wasn't at school, at class, right. uh, and really help push me and track me.
0: That's very self-aware. I left the military and okay. went to St. Louis University. Oh, yeah. Traveled the country the last, like, year and looked at schools, you know, big schools, small schools. Their SLU attracted me because same, same thing. I wanted to be on a first-name basis with my professors. Yeah. There was that accountability, like, I'm going to go and talk to them, and then when they grade my test, I want them to be like, wait a minute, Adam, you're better than that, or, right? Like, Absolutely. It, there, was that, that, there was that feeling there. If you were just a number, it's not really significant. So very cool. And it, it's, it leads us to, to the next question. So so we look at, like, what you studied, right? Mm-hmm. You got your bachelor's in, I believe it's criminology and sociology. Yeah. Then you got your master's in nonprofit administration. I step back as I'm, as I'm looking at, at you and thinking, did you know then that you were going to go this direction or was that just kind of like on the whim? How'd you put together your education? Cause it looks like the perfect combo to do what you're doing.
1: So it's really helped me out for sure. Right. But absolutely not. Uh, I was probably, I mean, I, I just fell in love with the professors. I mean, I gave a talk recently and I, still occasionally email those professors, Dr. DeSolt, Dr. Clark, Dr. Enslinger. Like, I mean, it's been 20 years and they just had a indelible impact on me. Uh, they loved what they were teaching. Uh, and they instilled that in all of us. And it was just a really good group that fell in line in that, uh, in that path. And so I love that. And then I had the opportunity to work for Senator Durbin in DC. And when I was there, I had a been preparing. I either wanted to continue to work in DC, uh, or I wanted to go to law school, and I constantly had these discussions with my dad: "What should I do? What should I do?" And he went uh, to law school, and so I went through the LSAT process, went through all of that, and it was just really boring. <laughs> like, I it just wasn't what I thought it would be. Uh, I also may not have given it enough time. I mean, I think. Law is uh, pretty exciting at times, but it was was just not for me. And I had Dr. DeSolt, uh, one of these professors, said, Hey, you love nonprofits and you always talked about business. He was like, This nonprofit administration, I think, is meant for you. It marries the two. So when I, uh, you know, I took all of my classes with the Bowler School of Business, who all these students were getting their MBAs. And when they took their, you know, third tier of accounting, I then went and took grant writing. So I had all the base classes of the MBA students, but then it was very tailored to nonprofits, you know, grant writing, fundraising, things of that nature, uh, learning more about how to handle board of directors and things of that nature uh, from the nonprofit administration side. So I really felt like I got best of both worlds. They also offered me a really nice scholarship to come back and do that, so it made it a lot easier.
0: And you talked about working with, uh, was it Senator?
1: Senator Dick Durbin, yeah.
0: what was your, take me back as we, then you graduate with your, with your MBA or your master's. What was your first job out of college? And then like, what do you remember? Like the big picture, what was a big takeaway from that first job out of college?
1: So my first, I worked throughout undergrad, and I worked uh, getting my master's. So I worked full-time at a community-based correctional facility, helping men and women who were convicted of felonies get back on their feet, get reconnected to the family, get reconnected to their community, doing community service, helping them find employment, housing, things of that nature. Typically, those folks who went off, they also broke a lot of those bridges with their family members, and so really trying to help reconnect that. Um, Honestly one of the most impactful jobs. One was... Uh, from the team I worked with, it was, I still taught, I was texting with a team member this weekend that I had when I worked at, at the organization and we just had a great relationship and we all learned off each other and all had different experiences. I mean, there's me who, as my dad would always tell me, I was uh, born into the lucky sperm club. Um, (laughs) and then there was people who, uh, were convicted of felonies and turned their lives around through tremendous hard work and some luck and they were teaching me and they, but they were colleagues. Then it was the clientele, um, hands down. And I'm not being corny. Everyone says it. I mean it. Uh, I learned far more from them than they did from me. I mean, I still wear a necklace that one of my coworkers who had a felony, um, gave me and it, I just reminds me that how lucky we are. I mean, We all do silly things. We all, you know, don't always live up to our own values. And you can be on the other side of that. I always felt like you could be on the other side of that case manager table in a heartbeat. Uh, And also I'm pretty privileged with a lot of different things. You know, being a white male isn't that bad when it comes uh, to the criminal justice system, right? And you just – I've learned so much and also – You have sometimes these preconceived notions of people when you hear about them, but don't know them. Right. And I remember talking to some of them and I was like, man, incredibly smart, bright people. I'm like, why are you doing this? Well, my dad left. My mom was working three jobs uh, and couldn't afford anything. I needed to start making some money so my little sister didn't live the life I lived. Exactly. "Well, well, that's pretty admirable. Didn't do it the right way. Right. Nothing that you want to condone, but- Was doing it for the right reasons. And so just learned a lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so when I was in college, one of my best friends, Ravi, who's my roommate, he would always, he was, I forgot what he was studying, but big into public service. And he would talk about stories at his internship similar to what you're talking about. And he'd always remind me, remember, like we're all always two bad decisions away from being on that side of the table. And when you're dealing with those people, it's like right in front of your face. Absolutely. And I'm just walking around, you know, going to the gym on campus, kind of having a good time. That stuff isn't even in my mind, right? No doubt. So yeah, big time empathy there from that first job. So let's, let's kind of transfer over as the mayor. And so uh, when I'm putting together the outline, I'm thinking, how do I want to address being the mayor? First question, what is it, like, what is the mayor's role? Like, what is... Someone might be walking around and, yeah, you're the mayor, but what does the mayor really do? Like, How do you define that role? Because what I looked up, I see it's like the CEO of a town. How would you define your job as the mayor? What's your job description? What what role do you play?
1: So I don't know if I'll be able to give you a a great answer that fits in a podcast. I think it's one of the things that's really intriguing and really fun about it is it's a lot of things. I mean you have tremendous responsibility uh, as a mayor – You're no longer Tom McNamara. You're Mayor Tom McNamara, and you're that when you run into the grocery store, stop at a gas station, out with friends for dinner. I mean, you're just always that. If you're you're on vacation, you're always the mayor, and I believe you should try, and I try, I don't always, but you got to try to live up to that. Um, I think at some levels, you're a convener. uh, At some levels, you're a consensus builder. I mean, every... No decision happen. Almost no decision happens because I just want it to. I mean, I, I, we don't live in a dictatorship. A uh, city of Rockford has a strong council form of government. Of uh, good Monday night is I have seven votes plus the mayor. That's eight votes, and then something gets done. Preferably, I like eight votes. Pref- even more preferably, I like fourteen. <laughs> um, but y- you just think. I mean, we live in a really diverse city. Uh, faith, races, you name it. And I have 14 aldermen all coming from different corners of our community, all representing, and we have the most diverse city council that we've ever had in the history of Rockford. So really building a consensus, getting folks to align behind something takes a lot of time. And so a lot of my time is spent on convening people and building consensus. And then you're right. You have... 400 plus uh, million dollar budget. You have 1,100 staff. Uh, You are working through a lot of the same things that every other business is is from succession planning to DEIB trainings uh, to making sure that your staff feel appreciated and bought in at the city. We're never going to pay them the highest wages that they could make. Uh, Like Our finance director could be the finance director of any company she wants. She is amazing. Yeah but I now need to make sure that she knows that she's loved and appreciated and does a great job and also having a huge impact while she's doing it. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of different aspects, but it makes it fun.
0: makes it exciting. Yeah. Right. 41st mayor of Rockford, describe what that means to you when you hear that.
1: So I don't get caught too much into it. Uh, I really don't, to be honest with you. I don't really think about it that way. I Usually when people introduce me, they'll go to an event and they'll be like, well, this is what I have. I'm like, that's way too much to say, <laughs> here's Tom. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible responsibility and I think we are – I'm really fortunate, uh, blessed, whatever you want to say, to be put in this position that I am renting this chair at this position for and I am there for four years. And so my belief is every single minute, every single hour of those four years, uh, people have entrusted me uh, to hopefully move our community forward. There's an extra sense of pride that I have and love of the job because I was born and raised here. I know what Rockford can be. I know where we're at, but I know where we can be. uh, And I also have a deep appreciation for where we've been. You know, uh, all of us stand on someone's shoulders. We didn't get here by happenstance. Uh, and the city stands on a lot of tightened shoulders, and it's now the responsibility for me to push it forward in the best way I think I can. Uh, and so I would say the biggest thing it means to me is uh, a lot of responsibility, but it does also, uh, it's just an amazing opportunity that I never thought I would have. And I'm really, really fortunate, and I absolutely love the job.
0: You strike a great balance, man. Of like, you know, I was talking to one of my coworkers before I headed over here about you. You're so approachable. And you're so like you the humility that you understand you have this a lot of responsibilities, but then you don't need them to give you this huge list of on um, the introduction. My name's Tom. Yeah. I think that's that is an, <laughs> a, that's an awesome balancing act. That you, but you still take the seat very seriously. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you take the seat very seriously, but you don't take yourself that serious in a good way. Oh, yeah. In, in Come to my house. <laughs> You'll find out really
1: quickly. I'm low, low man on the totem pole. I'm youngest of six kids. So I'm low man. And then in my house, uh, I'm fortunate. I got, I am married way up. I got an amazing wife named Sarah. I got two beautiful kids who, thank God, uh, look like her. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just wild and fun and they don't care that I'm mayor. They care that, you know, we're playing cars on the carpet and she's painting my nails on a weekend. You know, I mean, that's what they care about.
0: Uh, Tom Brady, when he was, when he was married to to Giselle for a long time, he was on a radio show and they said, what's it like when you go home? He goes, listen, my wife doesn't care that I threw four touchdown passes. When I go home, she's like, hey, the trashing state gets taken out. So and so needs this. Like, right back down to the low man on the totem pole. So good to know. You're going through the same thing, right? Um, Just a lot less money than Tom. Yes, a lot less. But more impact. You're making a big impact, right? You know? I like to to hope so. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about your dad a little bit. Mm -hmm. What impact did your father have on you deciding to run for mayor, if any? Because he was the mayor, obviously.
1: He was. He was mayor from 81 to 89. I would say really unique, probably the biggest impact and no impact at all. Um, I'll give you the end before I give you the beginning. Uh, so I was thinking about running for mayor. Uh, I, have an incred- I had an incredibly close relationship with my dad. We would have breakfast every single Monday morning at 7 a.m. And I would go to the house. He'd cook up some breakfast and we would talk usually talk shop how things are going once in a while talk family and so it was a natural place for me to say hey i'm thinking about running for mayor what's your thoughts and i'm thinking i'm about to he's gonna drop all this wisdom on me you know got the notepad out i'm religious about writing things down uh and he's like okay why the hell are you asking me i said what do you mean i was like well what do you think you've done it what do you think he was like, I he was like, what did Sarah think? I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like, well, the first thing you need to do is make sure she's on board and she wants you to do it. And I will tell you that what I didn't realize it, but it was dropping wisdom. Because you are always mayor. She did not sign up to always be the mayor's wife. And she is unfairly um criticized she is unfairly put into situations that she did not want to my kids now are unfairly put into positions that they did not sign up for or want to be in um and we get some benefits with it i'm not (laughs) saying that um but it really said family's the most important and in, in this job it is really fun everyone wants to talk to you but very few are your friends Your family and your core will never leave, no matter what that big instance is. If it's a big development that people are fighting you against, if it's uh, Uh, the school board, yeah, if it's community and race relations, like your family are going to be there with you the whole time. You need them on your side. And they also need to have a deep appreciation and understanding of what they're signing up for vicariously through me. And that goes to my brothers and sisters. I mean, when my brother's working, someone's like, I can't believe your brother did this. And he's like, That's great. That's not me but he's getting grief because I did something. So you just gotta make sure family's there. And he was very important there. Uh, I would say both my dad and my mom uh, forever have said that you can't go to work and come home. You can't go to school and come home. You have to be active and engaged in your community. Um, And so they definitely instilled that sense of service, that sense of giving back to the community and wanting to improve things. But it was never about being elected. Like, I mean, people will think it is. It truthfully was not. I mean, and you can look at every one of my siblings. And in many ways, they're having a bigger impact in areas than I am. None of them are mayor. But they, all of them, every single one are giving back to the community, uh, their neighborhood, their school, their church group in some way that's really pretty awesome. Yeah. And I think my parents instilled that in all of us.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you what's the best advice your dad gave you, but I think that's it right there. It's <clears throat> a piece of it. I would say the best advice, the one that sticks in my head
1: every day is attitude and gratitude. Life's all about attitude and gratitude. And both of those are unique because in life you control very little, but you certainly control your attitude and you certainly control what you're grateful for. And I think you can wake up in the morning and say, you know, Man, I got to go to work. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Or you can wake up and you would be like, I'm going to tackle today. I'm going to deal with this. I'm, this is an opportunity. I not get something. to deal with yeah, I, I get to. Right, as Absolutely. to I have to. Right? Absolutely. It's very
0: simple, but it's a huge it's, mind shift.
1: It is a huge mind sh- shift. And then grateful. I mean, we've had some tough days uh, that I've been mayor, but I'm also really fortunate. I'm fortunate I get to be mayor. I have this unique opportunity during a really difficult time if it's civil unrest, if it's COVID nineteen, if it's these things. They're also opportunities. Definitely. Um so attitude and gratitude, I try to remember every day. Have, I love it. have it on uh have it on posters. Have it all over me, wherever I'm at.
0: Yeah, it's good to have those sayings. Like those are your, our offensive weapons against that negative negativity that can creep in, right? Yeah. So
1: especially nowadays with social media, I feel like everyone wants to be negative.
0: There, it's so easy to spread the negativity, even at work, right? Mm-hmm. Someone sees you're going through a tough time, and they're like, "Oh, you're putting your resignation in," or it's like, "No, this is an opportunity. It's an obstacle, but yep. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from this, right?" Absolutely. What is your, well, you know what, let's 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 go one more with your dad. I'm really curious about this. See, I'm a big sports fan, right? And let's say we use Tom Brady as an example. You know, he plays quarterback. He knows all the ins and outs playing quarterback. Someday his son plays quarterback, and then his son will have appreciation for what his dad was going through. Now that you're the mayor, is there anything now that you look back at how your dad handled being mayor that you're like, man, now that I'm the mayor, I look back and think he really was good in this area that I didn't, I couldn't appreciate without doing the job. Is there anything that stands out? Maybe one thing or two things. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, since you're a sports fan, I don't know if you know Carl Yerskrimski, who played for Boston Red Sox.
0: I don't think I do. Uh,
1: way back when, all-star, all-famer. Uh, my dad actually pitched to him while he, my dad pitched for Notre Dame, uh, so that's his sports connection.
0: Hey, we're all for sports stories on here. You got them? <coughs> bring them. any analogies, bring them sports analogies. Um,
1: Honestly, I find every day he was really good at a lot of things. Um, he had an unbelievable ability to instill optimism and pride uh, during a really difficult time. I mean, we talk about 2008, 2009, the recession. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing like the early 80s. I mean, we had 26% unemployment.
0: Inflation was through the roof.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, it, it was just the really difficult time. But he helped start the Council 100. He created the Rockford Area Arts Council. He uh, had his fingers uh, in so many different things that were pushing. I mean, he was pushing for a capital improvement plan and an infrastructure uh, bill before it was cool to do it. Like, I mean, I go back and I read some of these speeches. I'm like, well, we just did this eight years ago. This is amazing. I mean – And you can see other people, other mayors have read what he's done because they use the same quotes that he used. (laughs) Um, He was just ahead of his time, and I would also say it's a really difficult job. It's not a job I don't think uh, anyone should be in forever. I think your job is you're fortunate to be in it. You push it as far as you can, and then you hand the baton to someone else and urge them to push it. And I think one thing he was also really good at, which – I will tell you, I fear uh, for myself is when you're not mayor, not being a Monday morning quarterback or that mayor on the sidelines. I mean, it's really the faux pas, but he was really good. He did not get engaged after he was mayor and uh, there's lots of areas that he could have and he just decided, hey, nope, this is someone else's time. Let them do it.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. When you think about now, let's talk about your leadership philosophy. And I know you're like, hey, man, you got an hour for this. But if you gave me like a, a good summary, what is your leadership philosophy? Maybe if I pulled someone from your staff aside and said, what's what's Tom's philosophy on leadership? What, what answer would I get? Or how would you define your own leadership philosophy?
1: So I don't know if I have this like uh,
0: not, not a – Not that you have like a, a summary written out, but just kind of maybe if some key principles.
1: I would say one of the things that have benefited me the most is – bar none every single person on my team uh i get to so i i don't know how familiar you are with it but we have nine different departments i get to select who is leading each one of those departments um and then city council needs to approve them and uh except for one city administrator you just get to pick and no one gets to tell you yes or no you just get it that's yours um i think number one Those people around me, every single one of them, would be a better mayor and are far smarter and just are just amazing. I am really fortunate to have a wonderful team. And I would say part of that philosophy is you now have this wonderful team. Let them do their job. They have expertise. You hired them for good reasons. Don't think your ideas are the best. I will push them and I will say, well, what about this? What about that? Can we do this? And then they'll come back and be like, well, this is why I'm do- – I'm cho- I think we've – I recommend to go this route or this street needs to be done over that street. I'm like, yeah, but I get more complaints on this street. And they're like, well, we're not doing this based on complaints, Mayor. We're doing this based on science and data. I'm like, okay, you're the expert. Do it. So I think hiring good people, pushing them, letting them know your thoughts, uh, but also respecting their opinion because you hired them because they're really good yeah. and not overstepping where they're at. I would say also something I think I'm pretty good at but need I think always uh, more work on is appreciation. Um, I'm not a big yeller and screamer. I get really frustrated. I have a bit of a temper and uh, a bit of a lack of patience. Um, But I also think I do a fairly decent job of publicly and privately recognizing efforts and accomplishments uh, because sometimes you'll work really hard and you just may not get what you want but you work you know that person worked really hard Uh, and I think just trying to connect with people on a different level than just work I think people buy into what they're doing and who they're working with if you have a relationship besides hey you're the public works director I know that that public works director is going through a b and c personally you then have a deeper appreciation for who they are they have a deeper appreciation so um getting more engaged uh, on a more personal level with the leadership team
0: doesn't surprise me after just getting to know you a little bit i love that you basically your first the first thing you brought up about leadership is that you empower the people that you have hired you have a good team you have to trust them um here i'll show you you ever heard of ryan have you heard of ryan holiday i'm a huge ryan holiday fan he's an he's an author He's written awesome books. This one is Ego is the Enemy. I'm okay. not sure if you're a huge reader. If you are and you haven't read this, I recommend it. All right. So uh, great book. But Saturday night I'm, I'm reading and I'm thinking, you know, just in the back of my mind, what am I going to talk about with the mayor, leadership philosophy, all, these, all this stuff? And one of my favorite – now, this is the second time I've read the book. I listened to it the first time. I'm reading it now. Dwight D. Eisenhower is in 1953, I believe, first day in office, right? Walks into the White House. It's it's dark. It's late at night. First day, this uh, chief usher walks up to him, hands him two envelopes. One's like secret, like top secret. One's like confidential, and it's they're sealed. And he hands them back and says, "Never hand me an un like an unopened envelope." Firmly, kind of snobbish, right? But his point was, I hired people to do their jobs. It that could be nothing. It might not be important. It shouldn't come to me right away. Not everything has to run right through me. Let the people I hired do the job. So when he first took office, he was very big on like empowering everyone yeah. because his one of his um his basically second in charge later put it, the president handles the most important things. I handle the most the second most important things, and then it goes down from there, right? Because there's no way you you like, for example, getting together for the podcast. Tom, you don't have time to be emailing me back and forth to find a time that works. That's why you have a coordinator, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's just no way you could do your job if you're in on everything and half every decision runs through you. It'd be a nightmare, right?
1: It would be. And honestly, it's a, I really believe it's the best thing to do. I will also say it is really hard to do, especially, I mean, you get elected by helping people and letting them know that you're there to support them and help them. Yeah. And, I think I am fairly approachable. I think I'm fairly uh, out there at as many events as I can be uh, physically and I want to know. I want to know truthfully how I can help because if I can help you then you'll let someone else know it's good for the city. It's good truthfully for me but also like I will, I mean nowadays you talk about me and my dad, it's just it's night and day. I mean mean, he had a fax machine and he had mail (laughs) and a phone that stuck to a wall, I mean, I now have two phones, five social media accounts, email, two different numbers. Uh, There's just a million ways for someone to get a hold of you and people do it, which is great. And I'm always like, oh, you just have this pothole or you have this issue, whatever it may be, it could be small or big. I wanna help get it all the way there. But having a good staff makes it a lot easier because if you appreciate them, they love what they do. They're good at what they do. They'll treat those items that you sent to them just as if you would have treated them. And you don't have to think about it. You don't have to be like, Oh, Jim sent me this. Is that done? I never have to email back and be like, Hey, is this done? It's done. They'll let me know if it isn't.
0: Right. Yeah. Simon Sinek talks about that too. Like you, you as an employee at a company, you get really good at your little job that you're doing. You get so good at it. You get promoted a few times. Now you're the manager, but now your job isn't to do the work that you got really good at when you got really good at servicing people, right? Like out there doing things like that. Now your job is to be in charge of the person that's doing it. Like, how do you, and you got to let, just let it go. Yeah. And so I'm sure that's a big struggle.
1: Well, I didn't, I did not bring it in here. It's in my car, but I keep a list of either like aspirational goals that I want for the city. I keep a list of the daily goals that I have to get done. Uh, I keep all of that. And it's, uh, I, love writing it down i've tried every app i've everyone's like oh you should try this i've been given different ipads Oh, use this and like writable or whatever they're called none of them you give me paper and pen <laughs> i want to be able to rip that piece of paper <laughs> up and be like i'm done <laughs> throw it in the garbage that's what i want
0: there's something about scratching scratching it oh. off the actual list it's like this that there's that uh, dopamine right yeah. so simon sinek said he's like one day i'm i'm getting my dry cleaning well i have my list of things to do i get the dry cleaning i open up the list It's not on the list. He writes it down. I was just, I do, I create a list every day. I write stuff down that like, wake up. Oh yeah. Got it. Got it. All right. Good. feels good. It's like making the bed. You're like, wow, I did something. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's get more into kind of the fun, relaxed, get to know you a little bit better. I like that you're, I already know you're a sports fan now. A little bit. Yeah. What are, what sports do you enjoy watching? Like where do you, where do you mainly spend time when you're watching sports? So I'll be honest.
1: I don't watch as many – I really don't watch much sports right now at all. I don't know if I can say it's a job or I also have kids, and, I mean, they're just not going to sit through any of it. What about Uh, growing up? I am a big Cubs fan, big Bulls fan. I grew up with Jordan, so how do you not? He is a goat. Don't have anyone else tell you it's LeBron or someone else. It's him. Um, I love
0: those. Plain,
1: I love golf. I I could play golf 24 hours a day.
0: Do you get to golf much as mayor? I feel like there'd be events for that. <coughs> There's events,
1: but that's like the worst time to play. Right? So if you want to play for six hours, you can go to an event. Uh, I like playing. I was much better at it last year, uh, in the year before than I am this year. I like being the first person to the tee off about five thirty in the morning. And I like playing 18 holes and being showered and at work at eight o'clock. And I do that once a week. Um, I haven't done that this year. I just haven't had the time. Um, Think that's kind of a lie. I haven't made the time uh to do it. Um Self awareness, there it is again. And so uh yes, I love it. I just haven't played that much this year, but I'm okay at it. Yeah. It's super challenging. Every day I'll like last time I played, I hit great drives. I was just bombing it and it was straight. Time before that I was great with my lob wedge. but I can't get them to go the same day. <laughs> yeah, so I like that challenge of it. Um, and truthfully, it is a time I won't say, I mean, I bring my phones with me, so I'm always connected. But it's a time that I don't check it as frequently as I do all
0: It's good to decompress for you. Who it do you is. golf with? Anyone?
1: So typically, I if I'm playing in a routinely weekly, it's uh, our legal director and my city administrator who just I've been doing the job now six years and I spend – 14, 16 hours a day with them. So they're my best friends.
0: Is it hard when you go out there to golf? I know you might not answer the phone much. How hard is it to not talk about work?
1: Oh, we talk about it, but like you should come to our office. Um, It's fun. It's, I mean, we joke a lot. Uh, We give each other a fair amount of grief about a lot of different things and they give it to me. Um, I am really not a patient person. And so
0: golf might be, that's tough for you then. Right? That's why
1: we go first because if I'm behind someone, I mean, I you'll see my legs start shaking I, and my buddy will be like, uh, the legal right he'll be like, I'm not doing this all day. Like stop the leg, stop all this nonsense. We are playing golf. Um, but they'll give me grief uh, a lot.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I love that man. So, if you if okay actually let let's go let's stay on sports for a second. Do you have I know you said Michael, but do you have what sport did you play growing up? That you were you must have played something.
1: I played baseball. I played basketball. I played, you played tennis. At I played golf. Uh, when I was little, I played hockey. I went. I played uh, golf and tennis at Boylan. And I played golf my freshman year of college.
0: Nice. Who was your Who is your favorite all time golfer? got one?
1: I really don't. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, Rory McIlroy recently. Uh, Not so much for his golf, but just his values. I have really enjoyed watching and reading about Liv and the PGA, I think.
0: (laughs) With everything Uh, going on right now. I have no
1: idea how they, you know, switch so quickly on him. But I thought how he was standing up for that, I thought it took a lot. And I thought, like, no one handed him the mantle from Tiger, but he just stepped up and took it um, and he became really vulnerable and showed a lot of leadership. So I liked that outside of it. Beautiful. But I, have you ever seen, Oh, I'm going to mess up the name. It's on Netflix. It's called like Swain or something. And they follow, uh, they follow PJ professionals, really good ones, as well as some that barely make cuts and how much work it is. If you haven't seen it, it is a great, series and it's really quick easy to watch you can do it while you're doing something else um but it just shows you their work ethic what they go through i mean you watch it and you're like what a glamorous life until you're i mean you don't make the cut you don't get paid yeah, but you had to pay for your hotel, you had to pay for your rental car, you had to pay for your air flight, you had to do all these things,
0: and have a job. Like, how do you have income? Because you have to tell your job, "Hey, I got to be off t- Thursday and Friday, right?" Well,
1: and if you're doing it professionally, I mean, you're just playing, you're just playing, and so you're you're going weeks without making money. I mean, it, and then you think the mental and just how they get through that. It was a really a neat little show
0: to go behind the scenes. the uh, The NFL they're doing something. It releases next month. They've got Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and then Mariota. Kind of similar, yeah. right? Super Bowl champ. <laughs> A good, had a good season, Kirk, and then a guy that you know barely started last year. Right. And they're going, they have it all behind the scenes, all the way leading up to the game. So you do get that appreciation, how hard it is to play quarterback, how hard it is to play golf at every level.
1: I love all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like I love that even when you look at like political movies, things of yeah. that nature, and political shows. I, I just love the behind-the-scenes because that's really where the work is done. That's where, I mean, we'll all celebrate the press conference in a political world, but not What's the work that got you to it? Yeah. How did convening all those different parties? How did that happen?
0: Yeah, definitely. Any fun vacations uh, planned this summer?
1: What's going on? So uh, my wife wouldn't call them vacations; she calls them trips. trips okay. um, so two f- things: one uh, already happened, and one's coming up. So I'm youngest of six. Uh, when McNamara's get together, there's 35 or 36 of us. Wow. We all, every year, go on one-week vacation. Uh, My dad, when he was with us, would tell us uh, that it's a mandatory performance. Uh, No one can get out of it, Um, and it's the best time. I mean, all the nephews and nieces, they're running around, getting to know each other and loving life and having fun. Um, And then brothers and sisters, you just get out to be with each other in a different setting. So we go to Michigan. Uh, We spend one week in a cabin that has no TV, really shitty internet. Um, and there's really horrible cell phone service. Like I, I went as mayor, I'll g- literally go into town and be on this hill in my car calling in just to check in that day. Um, and so we'll do that. Uh, so that's my wife's trip. Uh, she doesn't call it a vacation. Um, and then we were, I usually don't take much time off. I usually take five days a year and that's that trip. Uh this year I was like, Oh, we're gonna take more. I'm gonna do this. Uh so we got a cabin in Wisconsin and in typical Sarah and Tom fashion over the last six years. My wife runs a business called Gem, uh Gather, Engage, and Make downtown. And she was invited to be in this massive art show in Nashville. Well, it was right in the middle of this week. And then something happened with my family, a really difficult situation. So I had to drive to Chicago. So we were Going from Chicago to Wisconsin, Chicago to Wisconsin, my wife was then gone. So then it it was one of these, like that was our vacation. And we had, truthfully, two days out of seven that we were both in the same uh, state and the same residence (laughs) for just under two days with our kids.
0: That was our week off. That's tough. Maybe you have to make it up to her next year. With a real, so. so what does she define as a trip versus vacation? She sounds like she has a black line down the middle. Wow,
1: well, I trip? would say being with thirty six mactimers is a trip. Is a trip, um,
0: probably on the, <laughs> in the truest sense of it too. And <laughs> <was> um,
1: <laughs> a vacation is that she just gets to relax and enjoy. Yeah, uh, put her hair down. But I mean, thirty six, it's a lot, and they're typically there's six families, seven plus my mom and dad, but dad's no longer with us. So what we would do is the six kids take one night and me so me and sarah one night we will make dinner for 36 people and then we don't have to cook every single night someone yeah. else does uh but it's a lot that's it's a lot it's a lot and to being with your in-laws for seven days and have 36 of them that's a lot
0: i bet you would look forward to driving up to that hill like oh, i gotta go i got i'm the mayor <laughs> oh yeah and uh <laughs> gotta make some calls
1: <laughs> we are all incredibly in- opinionated uh we're our mom and dad's children and Definitely. we show that every day
0: yeah, i got gotcha. you This is a question I'm excited for. We got two more questions left while I got you on here. You're good. This is an interesting one for me because I don't know. What kind of music does the mayor listen to? When we left the event where we met a few months ago, I drove past you and you were at the turn light, and I'm like, I wonder what the mayor's listening to. So then when I got back to my desk, I wrote down, ask him what kind of music he listens to. Tom's rolling up. What's he he listen to?
1: Everything. Um, (laughs) My wife thinks I listen to the world's worst music. Uh... So I like Iron and Wine. I like M. Ward. I like Clexico. I like Eminem. I like a couple of country songs. Uh, My kids now will get me into some pop, uh, stupid music, Uh, everything. And if I'm driving a long distance just by myself, I'll listen to podcasts And it's really everything. I think the guy's name's Adam Grant. He talks about work and uh, leadership and listen to his. I listen to James Carville and Al Hunt, The War Room. Um, I will also – whoever I want, like – You know, Chris Christie just got into the presidential race on the Republican side. So I just search Chris Christie interviews and I'll just listen to him just to see where he's going with it. I just get intrigued by all that. And I like hearing people in different states, different communities. Are they talking the same or are they talking differently? And I'll do that Democrat, Republican. And then if someone mentions something on a podcast, it'll chase me down some rabbit hole and I'll just be listening to things. Uh, that my wife thinker thinks is really stupid.
0: So with your temper and your impatience, I just imagine someone pisses you off at the office, and you drive home listening to like "Till I Collapse" by Eminem or something, right? Like the mayor is not in a good mood. What's your What's your favorite Eminem song? That
1: is actually that
0: that'd be the one. That'd be the one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is on uh, <laughs> That is on
1: my playlist. Actually. Like, that's embarrassing to say.
0: No, man, that's that's a great. It's a iconic song. It's a good one. Good stuff. Okay, so what we like to do on the podcast here every time. We have a closing question. You didn't review the question, so you, you won't know what the other questions were, so it's all good. You Why did you do this podcast? Why did what, I do what it? What started you doing it? You know, you said something I thought was interesting. You said, my parents were very big on, it's not just 9 to 5 school or work. Get out there. Be more involved. And I like woke up January 1st, and you look at your last year. You do a review. You're like, okay, what could I do better? And I thought, man, I'm not really involved in the community, and... Yeah, I've built my contacts up, but I'm not actively networking, and I'm not one to go to, like, events and just shake everyone's hand, but where do I feel really comfortable? I feel comfortable one-on-one having a conversation. Okay. So building building a network, number one, getting more involved. So I joined the Belvedere YMCA board, right? That's so nice. just, just trying to get more active. So the podcast was great because who would I want to have a conversation with? You said you like everything in music. Well, I like all types of people. I I like talking to the mayor about everything that, you know, how'd you get to where you're at? What obstacles did you face? Talk to an artist, talk to an actor, talk to a bodybuilder. Like basically Adams plus one, it's just a variety of different, different guests and really hone in on what, what they're about. That's really
1: cool. We, so I did it for different reasons, uh, but I loved it. I created a list of a hundred people when I wanted to run for alderman. And then when I wanted to run for mayor, I made it like 250 people. And I did one-on-one meetings, some were 20 minutes, some were in almost two hours, yeah. some were over coffee, some were dinner, some were just by the phone, uh, or virtual. Um, I loved it. That's a, that's it's a great, exciting. yeah. Cause like I neat. saw
0: you out, right. And I'm like, damn dude, that'd be great to have him on the pod. I know where you know is Yash. So it's simple. And then yep. now moving forward, if I ever like, okay, well now I have you in my, you're in my network, right? Yep. So you never know what happens, but I really wanted to just push myself because in, you know, moving forward, your dad was a forward thinker. You know, we have social media pages, but soon your social media page is going to be your podcast, or in in that way, right? You want to get to know Adam? My brand is Adam's Plus One. You can check it out.
1: Was it hard for you to get over the hump of yeah? I think maybe I'll do a podcast. To actually doing it, or did you just kind of dive in, knowing and unknowingly?
0: It was. It was not hard, but that's because I'm very much a process oriented person. So I'm like, okay, what do I need to do first? First, I need to come up with a description. Number two, like I just wrote down the list. Once I'm in, I'm in, right? Like anything I do, it, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good. The, now I'm pushing myself in other areas. Like I want to host a fundraiser for the YMCA for Belvedere YMCA, nice. and I'm like, this is a little out of my comfort zone, right? So that this is where the podcast was pretty simple, straightforward, knew how to do it, did it. Now I'm like, man, how do I do a fundraiser? How do I by November get people to? What's our goal? How much money do we want? Who do I got to go talk to? But you're like, hey. If you do the same formula you have for the podcast, it might not be perfect, Mm -hmm. but you can get there, right? So this is talking to you one-on-one. Let's have a podcast conversation. Yeah. simple Talking to a business. Hey, would you like to donate to the Belvedere YMCA? A little out of my comfort zone. So those are skills that you have to develop, right?
1: It is. You didn't ask for it, but... Please do. uh, I love asking people for money for things, right? Because you're not asking for yourself. You're asking for this mission. I would just... It's mission, right? Yeah. You aren't doing it because you're not asking for money because you're holding this fundraiser. You're doing it because the Belvedere YMCA does A, B, and C and that improves our community together. So you're actually asking them to come along with you as opposed to just give something. Exactly. Um it's also hard, I think, for a lot of elected officials to say, Will you give me money? Well, you're not giving me money. That's like the worst thing to do. Like can you help support this idea, this this movement, this progress to whatever it is, instead of can you write me a check? You're not writing me a check. I don't get the money. Right. If I have a million dollars in my campaign account or $5, I'm not getting any of it.
0: Definitely. And and that's where I, I was getting like like stalled. I'm like, okay, well, what's the mission? Because if I do ask them, hey, here's a fundraiser. And they say, well, what's the fundraiser for? Uh, hold on. <laughs> I got to go check with Sherry or the board. Yeah. So. It's it's not, where's the podcast, I come up in my own description, who's the boss? I get to come up with those decisions, right?
1: And those staff that you're meeting with, ask each of them for a story that they saw the impact of the mission. So then when you're asking people for money, you're not saying, oh, well, we do night classes for seniors. No, their their story is this class means everything because Susie lost her husband and this class gets her out Gets her physically active, gets her socially active, and it's been really an extension for her to deal with grief and blah, blah, blah. So then you're tying into a story that they'll relate to.
0: People love stories, man. They do. Perfect. I appreciate that advice. Have
1: I avoided the question yet?
0: No, not at all. Damn it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Thank you for that advice, seriously. Yeah. So closing question. Thanks for coming. We held you like five more minutes than I wanted, but that's okay. I know you're a busy guy. Come. Whenever you're done a mayor, whatever that is, what do you want your legacy to be? And I know you're not a me guy, but like what would you want people to remember as, as your time at mayor? That you It doesn't have to be a specific accomplishment, but just kind of overall. Have you ever thought about that?
1: Well, I'd lie to you if I said no. I think everyone's thought about it. Um, haven't gotten an answer. That's why I don't like the question. Uh, so three or four things. Um, I really think some of the – biggest challenges rockford faces is trauma and pride i think you look at lower educational attainment levels you look at higher rates of violent crime i can trace that back to trauma i can use data to trace it so i would hope that we have changed the discussion we have changed our budget we have changed the emphasis to focus on young people impacted by trauma that'll lead to higher educational attainment levels and lower rates of violent crime for years to come. Uh, I would say uh, pride, this isn't politically correct, but I, there's been, you know, in our country, lots of talk about a wall recently. Um, around Rockford, I've never seen a wall. I don't understand people who live in Rockford, hate on Rockford, aren't engaged to make it better. Don't vote. Don't do anything. My thing is move. Like live where you love And so I want to help instill pride. And I think that's why we've been really working. I'm excited. We have this arts and culture plan. You're seeing, you know, we have did 36 murals, nine more of this. It's not just to beautify. It's to help instill a sense of pride. You look at Rockford art telly, who's now, I mean, who would have thought 15 years ago in Rockford, Illinois, someone would be walking around with Rockford's making a comeback shirt or eight one five. I mean, that's pride. You have to have pride in where you live. I would say two other more specific things, uh, I'm incredibly proud of the work that the Family Peace Center is doing. It's the only center like it in the state of Illinois, uh, one of a handful in the country, and it is there to support survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Um, We changed a model that a survivor would need to go to 15 to 20 locations to get services that uh, they needed and deserved to now walking through one door, getting all the services they need through a trauma-informed approach. And I would say Rockford Promise is the second thing. Uh, I was born and raised in a lucky sperm club. Uh, I still had student loans. At one point, me and Sarah were paying more for our student loans than we were for our mortgage, our taxes, and insurance combined every single month. Uh, The idea that we have now created the Rockford Promise that says any single kid who lives in Rockford goes to Rockford Public Schools, earns a 3.0. We now are paying for them to get a four-year degree at Northern Illinois University, Rock Valley College, or uh, Rockford University. I think it's pretty cool. That's really we're one cool. of the only communities in the state uh, and a handful of, in the country who are doing that. And so I think we're providing hope and opportunities to young people and providing love and support to those who have been in, impacted by negative items in their lives. And I think that's what we need a lot more of.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talk about the pride and then the incentive there for those young kids to yeah. so you get a good education, take it serious. And there's, there's a chance that you can get
1: the help that you need. I know we got to go, but think yeah. about this. Before Rockford Promise, our partnership with NIU, we were sending just less than 20 kids on average to NIU a year. This year, we're sending 154 kids to NIU, uh, 65% are minority students, kids of color, 70% first generation college going students so we're not changing that kid's life which we are we're not just changing that family's life which we are soon we will be changing our community when you look at all communities we have 21 to 23 percent of our population have a college degree well our comparable communities naperville has 75 yeah we got to get so that's not comparable right? right we have to increase educational attainment not everyone has to go to college but more people need to and when you have more people uh being educated it helps improve civic engagement. It helps improve so many things in your community. It helps a, have a thriving economy so our businesses can be better. So uh, it's huge.
0: And the plan there isn't to put a Band-Aid on something. That is it hitting the core, right? That's, it's going to take time, but that's okay because eventually you get to the 35, 40, 50, 60%.
1: Most of what we're trying to do is data-driven, listening to people with lived experiences and getting to root causes. I mean, you've we've went through I'm a nerd i've read every single state of the city back from my dad's first ter- uh, first year in office they've all say the same shit, and not knocking any of the mayors they've all done extraordinary things in different areas but we have to get to these root causes if we truly want to change the trajectory so whoever she is whoever he is that takes after me is in a better position and don't have to deal with the same things
0: yeah repetitive problems well Thank you so much for your time,
1: man. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Thanks for all that you're doing.
0: Yeah, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of episode 10. Mr. Mayor, Tom McNamara, thank you for joining. Appreciate you.
1: Thanks.